Welcome to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I am your host, Michelle Gale. I'm also the author of the book by the same name, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, which you can find on Amazon. If you have happened to have read it and wouldn't mind leaving a review for me on Amazon, that would be most appreciated. You can also go to my website to join my community at beamindfulparent.com. And if you listen to this podcast and love it, leaving a review on iTunes would be amazing. Last but not least, I'm going to be at a retreat on the East Coast of the U.S. this year in Pennsylvania. It's a retreat for women May 18th through the 20th called Rise Gatherings. You can find them on risegatherings.com. It's in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. I'll be leading multiple workshops on mindful parenting as well as workshops on women's leadership, the mindfulness advantage in women's leadership. And if you use the code Michelle with two L's, you will receive $100 off your ticket price for the weekend. Thanks for being here. Welcome back to the podcast, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I'm your host, Michelle Gale, and I am here with a very special lady, and I'm going to say her name in French. Get ready. Ariane de Beauvoisin. Excellent. Very well done. (laughs) She is an author, coach, and entrepreneur focused on life skills for grown-ups and kids. She's lived all over the world, most recently in Cape Town, and is now based in New York City with her husband and four-year-old son, Everest. She's previously worked as an executive in the varied fields of media, venture capital, and launched her own startup and has an MBA from Stanford, very fancy pants. She has just published a children's book series called Giggles and Joy, which I have in my person. It's amazing. And is now a TED resident. Wait till we tell you about this. Building an online initiative that will teach children ages three to eight life skills, such as honesty, courage, self-compassion, and how to navigate emotions. Welcome, Ariane. Hi, Michelle. I'm so excited to be speaking with you. I know. I'm excited for you to be here. So fun. We've been trying to make this happen for quite some time, and I'm really excited to share you with our listeners. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I mean, I'm excited just to hear and learn from you, as I always do. Yes, and, and I feel the same way. I feel the same way. And so we're going to talk about a few things today, certainly about these gorgeous books. Are they officially launched? They are. They're on Amazon. You can find them at gigglesandjoy.com. They're there. They're in the world. They are finding their way to people who are looking for them. Oh, I love it. And what was the inspiration behind the books? Tell our listeners just a little bit about them. I wish they could see them because they're gorgeous, but tell them a little bit about them. So there's uh, three books. One is called Giggles and Joy. The other is called You Are Loved. And the third is called Being You. And they are a collection of eight poems that handle certain life skills um, for children. So everything from helping them learn how to breathe, how to be happy, how to feel safe in the world, how to forgive themselves and others, planet Earth, kindness, uh, understanding grown-ups, uh, being sick. <laughs> so it's really the whole gamut of 
themes that, you know, we're trying to teach our children, but sometimes we just don't know how to. And the, the real quick story, the inspiration for the book was really twofold. I read an amazing book by a woman called Lisa Miller, who wrote a book called The Spiritual Child. And she is a scientist researcher at Columbia University here in New York. And she did the longest study of the impact of spirituality and heart-based <laughs> skills on young kids. And she followed them for 25 years. And she looked at kids who had had some spiritual skills and kids that didn't. And the overwhelming research was that kids who had had a spiritual influence of any kind, from a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, any source, were immune to things like depression or bullying or, you know, real negative self-criticism. They were in happier relationships. And she ends the book by saying, you know, that in that parents, teachers, we all have the best intentions, but we don't naturally know where to go and what to do with spiritual life skills. So a part of, I was sitting in Cape Town with my, at the time, two-year-old son, and I thought, I wonder if I can contribute something to this space, to the space of spiritual life skills for kids. And so that's how these books came through me. You know, I, I meditated, I prayed, I asked for guidance, I asked to be shown the way. I found the illustrator and it's an amazing thing to have seen them really come to life and, and be as loved and well-received as they are. Oh, and what age would you say that you'd suggest if people were saying that? Would yeah, that's, you know, it's a good question because I, I've been sort of speaking, reading, singing these kind of themes to my son since he was born. Just because, you know, we go to books naturally. I have a belief that children are very aware and that there's a part of them that is supremely intelligent and supremely receptive. So I'd hesitate to say from birth, but know that my own experiences, I did read them from birth onwards. Um, I would say probably from three to eight, um, you know, six, seven, eight year olds can start reading them themselves, which they love. Um, but that would be probably the age range I'd, I'd recommend. I can even imagine a little older. I could imagine a nine year old or even maybe a 10 year old, depending. My son's 11 and I tried them out on him, and he was he was open. He was open. He also speaks the language. Of course, he's got you as a mom. <laughs> the language is very familiar to him. And you know, it's so interesting because it's so interesting that you say some kind of spiritual path, right? Some kind of spiritual learning, because we, you know, I, my background is I was raised Catholic. I've been very involved in the Buddhist world and mindfulness world and awareness practice. So to me, my spirituality is about knowing myself or knowing, knowing who I am, understanding my emotions, having awareness in my body, right? All around mindfulness, which is what I teach both of my kids. And my youngest is really interested in having a spiritual place Mm. to go somewhere so mm. he's going to the catholic church all by himself mm. <laughs> by the way he was also interested in going to school there even though it's probably not the right school for him so he's working in that situation but yeah. but he still loves to go he he goes on his own and he won't let us go with him he's like no this is my thing i think that's so interesting i mean it's i've i feel you know similar to you like I was put in a Catholic school. Obviously, it wasn't my choice. I definitely felt like a fish out of water, but I did like going to sit in the church by myself to kind of find a little bit of my own sort of inner space. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes to service. Wow. <laughs> He's going to service on his own. I'm sure like the people who are there are like, where are your heathen parents? <laughs> 
you know what it, to me it really speaks to realizing that whatever I really wanted to have like the spiritual child I had a perfect spiritual pregnancy I had a beautiful natural birth and you know children come in with their own their own path their own imprint and I really, you know, my child did not demonstrate very spiritual behaviors. He didn't sleep for the first 18 months. And I thought, so unspiritual. I thought, exactly. I thought, where's my Buddha baby who's just, you know, perfectly happy? <laughs> it was a wake up for me to sort of go, you know, this child is experiencing his emotions and his arrival on planet Earth the way he needs to and he wants to. And it's, mm. I've had to sort of loosen up what that term means in some ways. And even for, you know, when I've spoken about spiritual life skills, I can see half the people shut down. And I, I, I have to sort of say, you know, spiritual to me means things that remind a child of their spirit, their joy, meaning, purpose, love, connection, contribution. You know, that's not scary to people. <laughs> spiritual sometimes can be like, oh my God, you know, what am I, what is she going to teach my child? Mm-hmm. And the, the books really they are, you know, they exist next to any religion, happily, comfortably. They, they're more sort of Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, Desmond Tutu. Yeah. They're more people that you would, you know, you, you want to naturally go to because they embody something that's just real across all religions. Yeah, I love that. And I love following them, you know, and allowing, I'm sure within these books, they can follow their own interest and path the way I'm following my son Brody you know we we went we go to this church in San Francisco called Glide Memorial which is like a 90 person choir and all inclusive and this is this really magical place but it's very loud you know it's a concert Mm -hmm. while you're there and you know it's more of like a Baptist kind of feeling it's a Methodist church I don't really know what that means but really (laughs) very inclusive church and um and he likes the idea that but he's like I really like the quiet in the Catholic church he likes, he likes the quiet. So now he's interested in like, well, how about we go to this unity church? But I also feel like I'm like wanting him to kind of be a little bit more in my world. Yeah. And, right. And I've also said to him, if you're, if you want to go explore things and I'm also like, I will go with you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, I mean, it's funny as parents, cause you know, we, we want certain things for our children and we, we project certain things and what is that going to mean about me? I remember, you know, I'm raising a boy and I, I want him to, of course, have heart and emotion and, and all of that stuff to be fully there as long as, it, as, long as possible. But when I, I started seeing the masculine come through my boy, like I really had to look at myself and go, huh, you know, what's here for me to be healed as far as my relationship to the masculine, mm-hmm. whether it's in myself or towards my father or towards men or, you know, and to fully allow him if he needs to kick, he kicks, if he needs to, you know, to, to just give him the space where, where there's a yes for that. You know, I put him into martial arts because I wanted him to have a physical space where that is fully allowed, you know, within limits and, but there's a, there's a space for him to go be that. I think it coexists perfectly with being spiritual. It's spiritually, his energy needs to come through sometimes his physical body. Yeah. And that's great. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And it's such a beautiful thing that you're able, like this is the path of, of conscious parenting, of parenting with a spiritual, through a spiritual lens is what do our children have to teach us, right? We were talking before we got started about how, you know, I'm a teenager and you know, there's definitely a pushback coming and and also when when things when we are out of alignment and like mad at each other, you know, things aren't going well, 
I feel like it hits me so much more than it may hit someone else because I, you know, I've struggled in my relationship with both of my parents and I have a real fear of that separation happening with me and my kids. And I have to be awake to that fear and not let it run the show. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, I was talking to my husband about this, you know, there are times where I'm like, oh, I don't have as much time for my spiritual path and I don't go on retreats or workshops or I don't do as much meditation. And it's, I find I'm in a daily retreat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kids are kids are the best therapists for grown-ups. Like they are your cheapest form of therapy. If you, if you allow them to be, you know, they will help heal and transform you because we, we so often we think, oh my God, I've got to fix, change, educate, inspire, you know, put them on a spiritual path. It's it, it sort of, there's such a heavy responsibility to that. And for me, I would say my, my go-to kind of magic mindful moment as a parent, and I try and do this, of course, it's far from being perfect, is when something's showing up for me, there's that like minute pause moment where I kind of go, okay, what's going on for me? What does this remind me of? Who does this remind me of? Mm. How's this making me feel? <laughs> you know, it's one of those questions. And very often, you know, if you ask a question, the mind will always answer it. So I... I feel out of control. I feel not important. I feel not heard. I feel not listened to. I feel not powerless. I feel, I feel not good enough. I feel not loved. I feel, you know, like the list is long because, not because I, I feel those all the time, but there'll be a trigger that allows me to see what's, what's here for me. And it's so few times it's ever about the child. It's sort of, oh, this is why, you know, when it takes me a while to get him dressed in the morning, this is what's here for me, or this is what's going on for me. And, you know, it's just, it's such a, it's such a go-to place. I call it my, you know, the, the meditation pause where you can kind of separate yourself from your mind. And it's, I meditate all the time when I'm with Everest because I'm trying to create that pause moment where I'm not reactive or I'm not going back to how I was parented or over-parenting or, Yeah. Yeah, and then Everest points points you to your freedom, right? Our children point us. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're just trying to pull out pull out the wounds from us in some ways, and pull out the the yucky, gluey stuff. Yeah. What's <laughs> hardest for you in parenting right now? What's hardest for me is probably going to a real place of self compassion. Like you know, unlike you, I've done a fair amount of the Buddhist path and the path of compassion. And for me, a compassion has always involved so much more other people and feeling other people and empathy and forgiveness and listening. And I, I recently really have had to turn it towards myself and go, well, where's the self-compassion? Where's the self-forgiveness? Where's the self-listening? Where's the, where's the me allowing the humanity? Because the, the worst thing is, you know, if you hang out in my mind for a half an hour, an hour, when, when things are tough, that, that inner voice is not super kind. It's not super mean, but it's not super kind. And the, the moment where I can kind of recognize it and kind of go, huh, is, is this my voice or is this one of my parents' voice? Or is this, you know, the voice of the perfect Ariane that thought this was going to happen in a certain way? So I would say it's a mixture of that. It's sort of just reminding myself that 
on the one hand, I'm a, I allow my son to be fully human, to experience the full range of emotions. Like I always allow him to be really angry or really happy or dance like crazy or fully sad and cry until the tears are done. But I, I sort of have to give myself the same permission because that was shut down in me as a child. Mm. And, it, you know, it's somewhat shut down as a grown-up. I feel like I should be beyond this. Or I shouldn't be feeling this emotion. So it's, it's allowing myself that range. It's allowing, you know, self-forgiveness and forgiveness is a big theme in our house. We, uh, we do we use the Hopanopo prayer, the Hawaii prayer, quite a bit as a family. Mm, yes. we, um, uh, please, um, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you. I'm <laughs> sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you. And it's been an amazing experience to teach that to, you know, at the time he was three, because I didn't realize what I was doing, but I was giving him a way, a very easy way to repair and to reconnect. And sometimes children don't even know how to come back. They know they've hurt you, upset you, hit you, you know, thrown their food, whatever they've done, broken something. And it's sort of, it's a very gentle way. He knows that that's one of his go-to tools, you know, where, where there's, there's always love there and there's always reconnection. But the amazing thing is we say it, even if we haven't done anything, we say it at night because who knows, maybe I've upset him, hurt him, spoken to him in a tone he didn't like. And I sort of, it's a general forgiveness prayer at the, at the end of the night for us too. We say it to each other. It's a beautiful thing to hear come out of a little, a little, little human. Oh, I'm going to try that. I wonder if I can get my older son. I think he would. I think I can get him. Yeah. <laughs> well, my younger son, my younger son for sure. What I've been doing recently is, um, you know, I've always been really into the gratitude jar and mm. you know, in the morning, what are something you're grateful for? I'm putting it in the jar, you know, two things. But I also, I listened to a podcast recently on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, and I wish I could remember who I was listening to, but I've listened to so many, I can't. Um, I've been so obsessed with her podcast. It's so good. Um, I, I've been right, also having right, what went right today. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, particularly for uh, my older guy definitely has some pretty deep grooves in his, in his brain around what's wrong. Yeah. It's just his natural place. It, it'll be his gift certainly in, yeah. in his life. Um, and you know, I've, you know, I sense, you know, part of my job is to help him balance it a bit. Yeah. So I've added that. So we could. I tell you one, one we've started doing probably because I think as parents, we needed it. Certainly my child didn't need to be reminded of it, but we do it as a family too, is we all have to say what's great about me mm. and what's great about you. And so it just, it reminds him of just, you know, what's great about me is, you know, I built a robot with a whole bunch of boxes, which he did in his room. Or, you know, what's great about you, mom, is you made an amazing apple pie. What's great about you, dad, is you came home from work and you played with me in my room. Like, but it, it focuses on aspects of ourselves that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily give a microphone to. And it also just, you know, there's such a focus on, on what we need to do differently or what we can improve or what we need to learn or what mistake we made or, you know, we're, we're going to do that naturally. But the what's great about me mm. and what's great about you is not a natural go-to place for us. No, I love that. What's great about me and what's great about you. I love that. I love that. I also love, I remember Brene Brown, she doesn't have it anymore, but she used to have like a 
uh, online course thing. And um, I did a class with her once that she used the statement, be, be you, be here, be long, mm. which I loved. Mm. Um, I have it up in my kitchen and I'll ask my kids about it. What does that mean? You know, what does that mean to you? You know, mm. be you, like be all of you, right? Your best self, your yeah. most difficult self, you know. Yeah. it's it's so fun asking kids you know it's one of the things I'm most enjoying right now on the parenting journey is to actually ask my son Everest very open-minded questions that I know are going to help me but are amazing just to see what he's made of you know we we made sort of a a large poster of him yesterday so I, I glued a whole bunch of pieces of paper together I had him lie on the floor I did a big tracing of his body and then you know and he put bones and some organs and whatever in there but then I asked him I said you know where's your heart and I looked at you know the size of his heart which was very revealing and then I said where's your soul and he put his soul right above his heart as a whole separate little person mm-hmm. and I said wow that's great and I said why is it a, its own person and he goes because sometimes my soul wants to get out of my body and it wants to go for a walk and it wants to go see and do other things and then when it wants, then it can kind of just come back in the body. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. And he, I asked him where his mind was. He did put his mind in his, in his brain. And then I asked him, which was even more revealing, I said, where's your intuition? Because we've been talking a lot about intuition lately. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, the intuition is really silent and no one knows, can see where it is. But I said, so where is it in your body? And he goes, it's all over my body. And he started pointing to his arms and his legs and his stomach. He goes, my intuition is everywhere. And I was like, wow, you know, and I'm not taking credit for this, but I'm sort of going, what an amazing thing, because my journey as a grown-up, not even as a parent, so many of my points of suffering have come from not believing or trusting or listening to my intuition. And just having that as a skill, you know, for, for little people is just, it's amazing. You know, when we, all of what we do is we focus on their heads, we focus on their minds, so, yeah, it was a, a very sweet little like, exercise we did yesterday. Oh, that is so sweet. It's so sweet. And, and just being able to, because clearly he's tapping into his body, right? His whole body, mm-hmm. which is such a gift to know yeah. intuition just comes from that feeling in your body. Who's yeah. That. Yeah. And, it, you know, I, I, I'd say similarly, like, allowing children to not disconnect from their body and you know whenever that happens it hasn't happened yet for us but to to sort of allow them to you know feel that their body is part of what they have to be and do and share with the world as opposed to just not what they know or their brains or you know getting them back into their feeling body I mean I'll speak especially for boys but allowing girls to realize that that's that's really a gift it's not something to be afraid of beautiful and I would love to go a little bit into this TED world that you're in you're in right now you're hanging at the TED offices which sounds so mysterious (laughs) you're there hanging out for a few months and I know one of and I you know you can't reveal all the things you're thinking of because it will be a TED talk at some point yeah I know there's some noodling around you know what's missing in how we're raising our kids and I would love to to speak to that a little bit yeah so the TED the the TED experience TED have a program that brings in entrepreneurs for like three or four months to explore 
um, an idea that they've had that they want to get into the world. And then we are allowed to sort of start that off with a TED talk. So that's what I'm here doing. But yeah, the by the way, I'm going to interrupt you because you're too humble. There were 5,000 applicants and what, 20 <laughs> were chosen and you're one of them. Um, amazing. Okay. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Just, just saying, go ahead. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. Um, so I'm here every day, actually giving myself the time and the space to, explore the whole field of life skills for children. You know, my background is life skills for grown-ups. I've written books, done articles, workshops, coaching, and I'm I'm so aware of the fact that all of this stuff gets hardwired when we're small that I sort of go, you know what, I actually I need to bring my whole self to my work and actually start much, much younger. And they're not all that different because so many of the life skills we struggle with with adults are are what are not shared or what's missing in childhood. But I'm looking at not only what is available and what is around, you know, you, your podcast, your works, your books being an example, but kind of pulling together what is available, what's there, and also looking for what's not there. You know, I'm, I'm looking online specifically because I just feel like, you know, screens aren't going away. This is the world that our children are in for now. And so the two things I can control are what sort of content, conscious, high vibe content can I actually put in front of my child? Mm. And of course, I can control how long he spends on it. And I I started looking and I go, you know, if I want to play him a video on compassion or forgiveness or breathing or vision boards or decision making, like, where do I go? And so I'm looking at, you know, what content is there to share both on TV, online. And to, to answer your question about what's missing, you know, for me, some are really obvious and there's no, there's no judgment or blame. Like I, I struggle. I think parents, teachers are doing the best, but teaching kids happiness skills, you know, you ask any parent, I want my kid to be happy. How are you teaching your kid to be happy? <laughs> is there a course? Uh, what makes happiness? What detracts from happiness? Are you teaching your kid how to handle the hard times? You know, I, I was good at school. I did not know how to handle the hard times. And there are some days where I still don't know. You know, my husband's much better at going, sweetie, life, life is hard. You're going to have a bad day. And I was like, really? <laughs> um, you know, like I, it's just not what was, and it's not that I had a great childhood. It's just I didn't have those skills, you know. No. I wrote a book on life changes for adults the first 30 days because I realized that, you know, dealing with change is dealing with life. Yes. So how do we teach five-year-olds to deal with change? They go through more change than we ever will as a grown-up. Yeah. Um, we're talking you about know, that. contribution yeah. skills. I think, I think kids really need to understand that, you know, what they're going to be doing is not for their job and themselves anymore. It's going to have to be for group, community, world, planet you know, like that it's not what is sort of going to be the focus anymore. And I think my big one might actually two more. One, one that I'm very passionate about is just bringing up kids that I, I would say have a foot in both worlds, meaning they are fully functional in this world. And in this world for now is very technology driven, but they're fully functional in the world and they still are alive, juicy, open, creative, open-minded, fully in their bodies, you know, how do you make that the new normal where it's, you're not you're training one for one world or the other world. Yes. They're going to have to be in both. That is so good. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's a it's a journey into the unknown because for us as parents, the world is new. We're we're trying to have a foot in both worlds, right? Yeah. We're trying to fully be on a spiritual path for a path of growth, path of mindfulness, and fully be functionally in the world. And sometimes it's much easier to go from one in one or in the other. Yeah. And I think the world really needs examples of both and and kids that, you know, are good at school and and are you know effective in even the current environment and curriculum and that's and then, missing teaching them both right that is what's missing it's kind yeah. of, you know and I think I'm guilty of it too sometimes you know just what you don't don't want yeah. um, instead of really just focusing on what you want you know yeah. um, so technology is part of it you know like my older son runs a business he's got a car wash business he's you know answering mm-hmm. customers and I can find myself getting very triggered, you know, that his head's down and his phone so much. And, and, you know, but if he's got a foot in both worlds, which actually he does, if I stop and pause and settle in, he does. Yeah. Um, He absolutely does. He has a credible awareness, incredible emotional um, intelligence and, and being able to, but then being able to really speak to both of those things, bringing, making that explicit with our kids. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. I'll share something that happened with my son. Like, you know, I, I, my intention is to raise a happy, healthy, empowered, conscious child. And recently, Everest has really started understanding the power of money. Yeah. And, you know, that we give money to homeless people. We can, you know, we, he grew up in South Africa. So he knows that, you know, children don't have money and we've given his toys away and we've given clothes away. And he, he can see that money is a vehicle. And in a sweet way, it really, you know, not yet a material child. It's probably coming for me too because it comes to all parents. But recently he started telling me that he wanted his middle name to be money. And so instead of Everest Christopher, he is now calling himself Everest Money. And I can find myself being triggered going, oh my God, like, you know, as opposed to going, of course, are you kidding me? Like, go for it, sweetie. Like, absolutely bring in the money, bring in the abundance, do good things with it. You know, like I just, it was an amazing mirror of just going, oh my God, like what are people going to think if my child walks around saying his name is Everest Money? <laughs> but do you see there was something there for me, which is like, well, what, why am I scared of, you know, having a whole ton of money and being known to have money and, and doing good things with money? Oh, that is so amazing. Huh? Yeah, it's quite funny. Amazing. Amazing that he's kind of just taking that lens right now and he's super comfortable with it. And then we're the ones, right? Just like you pointed to, we're the ones. So it's, I think that's kind of the, that feels like the theme we've been on in this, in this time together, really about that U-turn, you know, and looking in when that anxiety rises or the worry happens, you know, to be able to, to, to turn inward and you just, you know, go so well with the name of the podcast <laughs> parenting in a messy world because those are all messy subjects you just like teed it up completely <laughs> yeah you know it is it's messy I, yeah. I mean I, I love your book I love the podcast because I told him my husband he was like oh my god that's so good I want to listen to it oh thank you I yeah you know what it is it's so grateful I'm so grateful well yeah. we're running out of time we have to wrap up and I want, I do, before we go, like, I want you to share with the listeners how they can reach you, like your website, um, yeah. anything going on right now to watch out for your TED Talk. Certainly these amazing books, Giggles and Joy, look on Amazon. They're so, so sweet. What else? 
So I'd say best place to reach me. I have a website, which is everything from my grown-up work. So, you know, books I've written. I have an app called Mindful365 mm. that I wrote to really just help people like us stay mindful, stay aware, stay awake, stay kind to ourselves and others in the middle of the mess and the busyness of our lives. So not taking people out on retreat or onto the yoga mat, but just while you're at work, while you're with your parents, spouse, whoever it is, um, so that's Mindful365. And then my website is my full name, which is hard to spell, but you can also find it at Ariane Studio. So that's A-R-I-A-N-E studio.com. And, you know, I, I do coaching. I'm certainly, you know, focused on the, this TED experience right now. The TED Talk should be out in June. Um, and then social media, of course, it's under, under my full name as well. But the, I'd say the thing that I'm most passionate right now is just allowing people who've been looking for these kind of books, Giggles and Joy, to find them for themselves, for their godchildren, for their grandchildren, for their school classes. You know, I sent some, um, some books to your kids' schools, Michelle, and I was like, just, you know, even if people can't afford it, I just find I've been going to the post office and just sending this series of books. I just feel like I want them to be finding not only the kids, but also all the caregivers that, that mm -hmm. would just like like a platform to, to, to use. Well, we are, we are all as a community grateful to have them in the world and grateful for you and your work. And thank you for sharing your time with us. Mm, thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for all the beautiful inner and outer work that you do. Mm, thank you. Thank you. And we're saying goodbye to our listeners. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. Michelle's new book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, is now available at Amazon and at mindfulparentingbook.com. Get your copy today.